Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Life as Beaks podcast. We are on episode 20 today. I can't believe it. This past, like, year has just, like, flown by. I can't believe we're on episode 20. I'm so excited to see what the future has for the podcast and all of the listeners. Thank you guys so much for listening and supporting. I love you so much, and I I do it for you. So I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. It's a beautiful sunny day finally here in Sudbury. We've been having the shittiest weather lately, so the sun has just been, like, amazing. We're back to work, which is awesome. So I've been super busy back at work the last couple days, and I am I love it. I, I'm so happy to be back. I hope you guys are also happy to be kind of getting back to normal, too. Um, I'm also fully vaccinated, so it's going to be a – what's the word I'm looking for? Vaxxed girl summer. I'm ready. Hot girl <laughs> summer. Here we go. Um Without further ado, I think I'm just going to get right into the episode for this week. I have a very special guest. This is amazing because I had a special guest last week and I have a special guest this week. Um, I'm connecting with one of my dear friends, Robert, from university. We met when we went to Laurentian together like back in 2014, 2015. And we've kind of kept in touch like over the years. And then he messaged me and asked, like, hey, I'd love to be on the podcast with you. Like, what do you think? This is kind of like what I want to talk about. I'm like, yes, of course, let's do it. So here we are today. We're doing it virtually, obviously, because he lives in Calgary. So he can't be here in Sudbury. Um, But Robert's going to introduce himself. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brianna. Um, I just want to say uh, I, how happy I am and excited I am to be part of your podcast. Um, I remember just to give a little bit of a backstory. Um, I remember back in January, I was leaving work and it was so cold here in Calgary. Um, I had to sit in my car and warm it up because it's like gets crazy weather out here. It's like negative 30 something. Um, so you're sitting in your car for a while and I was scrolling through my social media and I seen you, one of my close friends from university, post your, about your podcast on social. And I thought to myself, wow, I wonder what this is. And I remember listening to your one of your very first episodes and the vulnerability that you shared in that podcast um, was amazing. And I remember sitting in my car and listening to it for 15 minutes. And I thought to myself, wow, this is inspiring that somebody can be so open, can be so honest about you know, yourself online to viewers who you don't even know or viewers who you do know. And it actually inspired me. And I know you might not know this, but it inspired me to start recording myself Really? When I would, yes. When I would drive home from work, I started recording myself because I'm like, if she can do something like this and talk about these things, I can do something like this. And I thought of, you know, this is a way that could take away some stress from my day. And so I was driving home. It's probably like 10, 15 minutes. And I would drive home after I heard your podcast and I would record myself talking and just talk about my day and what I did and all the things that I accomplished to make myself feel better. Um, in the moment, because I know that during COVID, all of us were going through our ups and downs. And a lot of us were going through a lot more downs and ups. And there was a lot to be sad and upset about. So I just thought it would be a good way to remind myself to stay positive. And I just want to say thank you so much for um, inspiring me. And you have no idea um, how excited I am to be part of this. So thank you so much for having me. 
Oh my god, Robert, you literally touched my soul. Like I'm sitting on my couch right now, like smiling from ear to ear. I look like an yeah. idiot. Like, <laughs> but I love that. Thanks for sharing. That's amazing. Yeah. Honestly, I, when I first started the podcast, I w- it literally came to me. Like I honestly didn't really listen to too many podcasts before this. Um, I'm a huge like music junkie, so. Most of the time I just have music on, but the thought came to me and I was like, you know what? I think it'd be really sweet to have some to- type of outlet that's not necessarily like Instagram or like my YouTube channel or like my blog that I used to run. I was like, I feel like a podcast would be so interesting because I get in my own head sometimes and it's nice just to, if you have something on your mind, you want to talk it out and, you know, put it out into the world and see who resonates with it. And over the last couple months that I've been doing it, Uh, A lot of people have reached out and they're like, I really resonated with this episode or I totally Mm. agree about this topic or whatnot. So it's really nice to know that sometimes when you feel alone with your thoughts or, you know, like your struggles that you're going through, other people are are also going through it. And it's nice Mm -hmm. to know that you have like a little community online. Yeah, I totally agree. I couldn't have said it better, you know. Um, that's exactly why I wanted to be part of this is to make sure that if other people are out there feeling this way, um, that we can give them the opportunity to listen and share that experience. I love that. I love that. Um, I'm also really excited for you to be on the podcast, of course. I know. (laughs) Um, But do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, a little backstory? Who is Robert? Yeah, for sure. Um, I was previously telling Brianna, I'm a pretty deep person, um, emotional, sensitive. So when it comes to this podcast, I'm going to try my best to do it right. Um, So a little bit about myself. My name's uh, Robert Reidenauer. I was born in Uxbridge, Ontario, which is near like Markham, Stouffville area. I grew up though in a small rural town um, called Manila. And I don't know if a lot of people know where that's from, but it's very small um, near Kawartha Lakes. Um, So Lindsay Peterborough. Um, From an early age, I had a big personality and a love for physical fitness. So growing up, um, some things that kept me busy were friends and sport. In the early 2000s, um, my mom met a guy and within a couple years, she had uprooted us from Uxbridge to Manila. So yes, I did spend a couple years growing up in Uxbridge, but that was only until like grade three, roughly. And then we moved to Manila. So I started a whole new life journey with my family, with my mom and with a new guy. Um, Being in the country, um, as most of us do as kids, I felt alone growing up. Um, I had three older sisters and, and a single mom for most of my life. So when my mom met Stan as my sisters grew up, I found myself not having anyone to hang out with and the dynamic of what we were all used to changed dramatically. I went from crawling into bed with my mom who worked shift work at the time. So she would get home at like three o'clock in the morning to having a bedroom of my own. And I know as an eight year old child, you should already have a bedroom of your own. (laughs) Um, But my mom and I were so close growing up. And I think just being the youngest child, the dynamic shifted so dramatically when a another guy came into her life. And yes, I was so proud um, for my mom and just proud for us for doing something like that. Um, But yeah, the dynamic definitely shifted. And I don't know necessarily now as an as an adult looking back on it, but looking back on it, it, it was always for the best. Growing up in Manila, I moved there when I was uh, in grade four. I started at a new school. 
Um, I went to school in Lindsay, Ontario, which is fairly small Catholic school. Um, I went there with two of my older sisters. From that uh, time, I moved on to high school. I went to another very small Catholic high school in Lindsay, uh, maybe max 400 people. And I always laugh looking back on it because it was right next to a chicken farm. And <laughs> it's so, so random. Weird. I know, um, but it was horrible because every time it would be like, uh, we would be going out to the portables for uh, like second period or whatever. And the chicken like fans were on, it would always smell like chicken shit. And it was horrible. It was Ew. disgusting. Yeah, it was terrible. And yeah, it was like the country. So uh, now, like, I, I, whenever I smell that smell or smell like manure, I always think of home, which is really weird. Um, <laughs> but it's like kind of like a comforting thing for me, which is so strange. Um, I hated it back then, but now I'm like, oh, that's that's a nice smell. And everybody's like gagging outside. Oh Literally like <laughs> true shit's creek. No pun intended. Yeah, it's, it's so funny. And Shit's Creek was filmed in Ontario too. So that's I know. ironic. One of my um, favorite shows. I've watched it like three times. I love it. I can't do like a good Myra Rose impression. But, oh my god, I um, totally can't. Everybody, everybody at work like talks about that show, especially all the gay, all the gays. They love yeah. that show, so we just bond over it. Amazing. Um, I can't say that I finished that show though. So I know this is kind of distracting, but I can't say that I finished It's Greek. I've only got to like season three, and everybody's like, "Come on, you have to finish it." And I'm like, "I know. You need um, to. It's the I best. Know. I really should." Um, Put that on yeah. your bucket list. I will for sure. <laughs> um, so random. Um, but yeah, growing up, I went to high school. I graduated in 2012, all throughout high school. Um, I was going through some really emotional things when I was growing up as a child, especially in the country with my stepdad. Um, he was very abusive, um, emotionally, physically, um, pretty much abuse in every single way uh, possible besides like sexual abuse. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I definitely affected me and it still affects me to this day and I'll talk about that a little bit later on but um yeah I relied on sport as an outlet um my entire life especially growing up gay I found that I wasn't included in a lot of classroom activities um when it came to like uh physical or PE classes I found that I was the last one picked all the time um, because people didn't want to be on the team with me which made like really hurt my feelings and really affected me as a child um, but then course. in high school yeah it was horrible it was horrible um, but then in high school something changed and I'm like okay I could use sport and like my athletic ability to my advantage so I really took a uh, a liking to the high school coach. Um, he coached me in both cross country track and field. And I actually used that as an outlet whenever I would hear like my stepdad yelling at my mom um, or just them fighting, I would go for a run. And I used that as an outlet to release like my anger and frustration because I didn't feel strong enough to stand up for uh, the women in my life, which is really sad to look back on now, but I needed something to like just support myself. So I found running um, an outlet growing up in the country. Um, and then I was really successful at it. I was actually a nationally ranked athlete in high school. Coming into grade 12, it was like my second year going into nationals. Um, I had a tough decision to make on what I wanted to do after high school with the success that I seen in my athletics. And um, with my passion for education, I knew I wanted to go to university, but I didn't know where I wanted to go to university. So 
when applying and, and a lot of high school students can probably relate to this because I work with a lot of young kids now, um, not a lot of people in high school or guidance counselors tell you like, hey, this is what you should do or this is what you should go for. Go for something that you actually enjoy. They always push something on you that's like, oh, go into this because you'll get the best job. And make the most um, amount of money. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or they don't tell you like, you know, apply for a general bachelor of arts. And then when you get into that school that you want, then go into your competitive program. I was like, so in the dark with like how to apply to uni and um, what schools I should go to. I knew my number one choice was McGill University. And it was because my eldest sister went there and we're like best friends. And I'm like, I wanna go to the same school as my sister. She's my idol. And I was silly and I didn't apply to a general BA or a general Bachelor of Arts to get into McGill, which would have been the easiest way to get into McGill. I applied directly into a very competitive program, which, is, which was sports and physical education. And um, I didn't get in. So I applied to three Ontario universities. That was Nipissing University, Laurentian University and York University. And out of the three, I chose, I got into all three, but I chose uh, Laurentian. I chose Laurentian because, <laughs> this is bad, but they didn't have any sports teams that I wanted to join. They had a swim team and I was like, okay, that's perfect. Like I did swimming in high school. I was pretty good at it. I wasn't nationally ranked at it, but provincially I was good. So let's go to Laurentian. They offered me a $10,000 entrance scholarship for my, G for my GPA coming out of high school. And then they had a men's swim team. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. I remember the first time I drove to Sudbury with my mom was, you know, those like uni tours. Yeah, I never got one because I like lived in Sudbury <laughs> and I was just like Laurentian is like so small and like I have driven through it many times. Like I know yeah. what it is, but um, tell me about it. Like what? Maybe you, that like, was for like the a... best. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was for the best. You were just like, okay, I'm familiar with it enough. Yeah. I'm going to go there. I so, remember I went to school. I went to the uh, school campus maybe during like spring break or whatever, when a lot of students are going with their parents. I right. went with my mom and we did a tour of um, the campus, but we only did uh, student resident tours of like the big, um, the big buildings where all the students live. And I don't know what they're called. Do you remember? No, like I never, or something I've like honestly, that? I've never been like when I was in university, I never went to res and I also never went to pub. Like, I feel like Me I either. didn't really get the full university <laughs> right? experience. Cause I was like, I don't really give a shit. Like I'm just yeah. here to get my degree and whatnot. And yeah, yeah. I feel like I didn't really take advantage of the full Laurentian, um, amenities if you may right okay so there was like these big buildings on the campus that had like hundreds of students living in them usually a lot of first years would go there because they're social they want to meet a bunch of people and they want to party and have fun so totally. I was doing my tour in that building and that was like the worst building for me ever growing up so secluded and not having a lot of like interaction besides like sports and athletics mm -hmm. so going through and touring people's bedrooms which is so personal as it is like you've seen the most weird things I literally I won't forget laughing we were looking at this uh student's bedrooms and they had like the biggest penis water bottle with like a straw out the oh top my of it. god <laughs> yeah it was just like a shelf full of them and I'm not even joking 
it was so funny. It was so funny for me, but like my mom and I were just kind of staring at each other and I was laughing so hard in my head. I was like, why would you give a tour to first years like or grade 12 students? And there was a bunch of dicks, like dick bottles, like lined <laughs> like, up yeah, on your shelf. Maybe, maybe like hide it, put it away. Right? But I remember when we actually went to uni there, um, there was a posting that was put into that uh, campus saying please don't ejaculate in the showers because what? there was like sperm that was like eating away at the pipe system it's what? posted on yes it's posted on you mentioned Laurentia and somebody posted it a couple months ago and I remember seeing that it was an actual poster that they put up in the uh, university um, student residence and it said stop ejaculating or masturbating into the shower drains because it's ruining the drainage system oh my god that's hilarious okay wow first so of all I didn't know that sperm was so erosive or what, yeah. whatever the word is second yes. of all I guess it kind of makes sense because most of those people that are living in those dorms have a roommate so like when are you right? gonna have time yes. to like get down exactly. on yourself you know what I mean like yeah Oh my and God, I was so all funny. I was all about that. So that's why I didn't choose that residence. I was like, I need to live in a single room residence. I can't have anybody. Like, no. <laughs> I don't Absolutely. want anybody around. Obviously, you guys know that Robert and I have met in uni. And we were trying to remember. Well, actually, he remembered. I didn't really remember. And usually have a really good memory. But last night when we were FaceTiming, kind of planning what we were going to talk about for the episode, he was like, do you remember how we met? And I'm like, uh, actually not. He goes, I know exactly. So he's, he's gonna he's gonna share because he has the better memory than I do. <laughs> I don't know about that, but um, no, I definitely remember how we met, and um, Brianna and I actually met in our second year of university. I believe it was twenty. It was either the 2014 and 2015 school semester, I believe, mm -hmm. um, or 2013, 2014, one of those. And it was like I think the it fall semester. 2014. Yeah. Okay. It was the fall semester and we actually both signed up um, for a dance class, which was one of the electives for our yes. program. So we took this night class that was dancing. And I think it was like two times a week or something it like was, that. It was. It was. I think it was like Tuesdays yeah. and Thursdays or something. Yeah. And all of you guys who know Brianna probably know that she has taken dance um, <laughs> at some rhythm, point in her life. I got Yes. <laughs> So she can like move and groove, but I can't. <laughs> you totally so, could. I remember yes, you, you very, were, you were, bit, you were pretty good. Very uncoordinated. But um, luckily you had a partner and the professors never picked on you. Um, the professor, the weird woman girl uh, that was, it was like a husband and wife duo. It was a husband class. and wife. And they were like super yes. like sensual together. Yes. And like, so strange. It was, Yeah. <laughs> it was like laughing. seriously they I think they were like as like Italian Sudbury Italians or something like that yeah um, I don't know very what typical. their nationality was but they were like very nice people absolutely like I really liked their class I thought it was a fun thing to do and like yeah. it wasn't hard we learned we learned what like the the salsa the rock stat like I don't even know what the we the learned dances. everything and yeah. anything honestly but like the um I did have a partner too but I always found the wife coming up and dancing with me and if you guys know these people they're like 
nationally ranked dancers. They're very good at what they do in their craft, but mm -hmm. I'm not good at that. So to be like pinned, pinned out out of everybody and have to dance with her multiple times in the semester, it was so embarrassing. And when you do your final exam, you do it on your own. On your own. Yes. I remember. Which is I was so like, awkward. So nervous. And they're just like sitting in front of you and you're just yes. facing them. And they're like, do this step five six seven eight and yeah. then you're just like doing it and you're like I don't even know if it's right because there was no mirrors yeah there was nothing it was like a dark wooden gymnasium mm -hmm. um yeah that was yeah it was definitely interesting but I back to how I met you I remember when we first signed up for that class um you were one of the girls that was sitting in the group and we were all like I know Brianna was in health promotion we were in sports and physical education but out of the human kinetics it was open to anybody so that's actually how I met Brianna yes. even though we weren't in the same program um you were I don't want this to be a bad thing you were loud you made sure your voice was heard you were funny you were outgoing and that's exactly like who I am too. And I know I touched on that in my introduction. Like I have a big personality and to find somebody that was equal. And I know some people would call me obnoxious, but I love that about people. Um, I remember you just having the biggest laugh, the biggest personality. I know you had a couple friends in that class and I wasn't one of those friends yet. But as soon as I heard you, I was like, I want to be friends with that girl. That girl has a personality. She's fun. She doesn't take anything in this class seriously. And she's able to laugh at herself and her mistakes. And I needed somebody like that in that class. And so it was just interesting to you know, not beat myself up in that class, but I could just stare across the gym at you and see that you were laughing at yourself. And so I didn't take it so seriously. And I actually introduced myself in that class. And I remember at the beginning, we would always do warm ups and stretches together as like a class. And I would always look for you in the crowd and be like, okay, Brianna's here. Tonight's <laughs> class is going to be good. Tonight's <laughs> class is going to be a twerk fest. No, just kidding. Imagine we would yes, no, twerking. seriously. I went, I went up in front of the class and I twerked. I don't know if you remember that. Oh my God. But they were like asking people like, oh, let's do like a dance circle kind of thing. It was so <laughs> random. But I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go up there and be a slut. Like, why I not? Like, <laughs> oh I'm just going to be myself. Hello. Yeah. No, I'm Hi, this is me. Take it or leave oh it. Oh my god! Yeah, oh my god. no, but that's, that's amazing. Honestly, how we met. We helped yeah. each other through, and now we're yeah. on our own, but reconnecting yeah. again to also help each other through. Yeah, it's so it's crazy. Life comes full circle sometimes, and I love that it, you know, it has a funny way of working itself out. It's true. I love it. This is gonna be a really great in depth um, episode. So get yourself a snack, pour yourself a drink. I know a lot of people like to listen to this when they're driving or when they're walking. Yeah. So make sure that you're like going to a pretty far destination because honestly, I don't know how long this episode is going to be, but it's going to be long. <laughs> so enough chat about our university lives. Um, I'd love to hear about what you're up to now and what you've been up to since we've graduated, which it's been, I think, about five years now. Yeah, it's crazy. Time's flown by and honestly I haven't wasted one minute <laughs> I know you know um but I didn't even stay around to walk the stage with you guys um after university I booked my flight before my last exam out west to Edmonton um and I left in May. So we finished school at the end of April. I left early May to fly out west. I packed three hockey bags full of clothes 
nothing else. And I brought out my, just my clothes. And I moved out to Edmonton with my partner, Gerald. I lived in, I moved in uh, out West. I lived in Edmonton for a year. And then I realized that everything that they say about Edmonton is true. And what did they say? They say Edmonton is Deadmonton. Really? Yeah, because it's dead and there's like nothing to do. But are you serious? I don't, I I don't necessarily thought... agree with that. So I always thought like Edmonton would be like the Toronto of the West. So Calgary is like the Toronto of the West. Okay. Yeah. Well, I have never been. So you should come. You should come visit. Honestly, stay honestly, with me. I want to so badly. I like my heart is earning to travel. Like yeah, I want to travel so bad. And now you've got a friend who lives in Edmonton and you have a friend who lives in Calgary. Yeah. And I have a friend who lives in Vancouver as well. Yeah. So you could just do a, like, you could fly out here, rent a car and just do a whole road trip. I always drive out to Vancouver. It's so nice. I need to do that. You're sparking, you're sparking the interest. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) So yeah. No, I lived in Edmonton for a year and honestly, yes, it, it can be a boring city, but there was a lot of things that I loved about Edmonton. And one of them was similar to what I loved about Laurentia and the conservation areas, the walking trails, the nature. I love being outside and so does my partner. So we got to enjoy so much of that when we lived in Edmonton. But um, what actually sparked us moving away um, from Edmonton was different jobs and uh, opportunities that came up. There was... Right. When we initially moved out here, we collectively agreed, let's move to Edmonton because uh, Gerald's sister lived in uh, Edmonton as well. And um, there was more job opportunities because uh, it was just going into the recession when we came out here. So for you guys who don't know, out West was like, economically, it was booming. The oil and gas industry was at its like height. Um, And then all of a sudden, 2013 came around, it started going down. And then uh, by the end of 2016, it was like in full recession. So when we moved out here, comparing the two cities, even though they're both major cities, that like Edmonton had more jobs. And so we moved out there. I personally took up the easiest job for me at the time based on my experience. And that was in retail. Mm -hmm. And I worked in retail um, with uh, Calvin Klein for a year when I moved out here. I just found myself not really enjoying it too much. I didn't like I didn't enjoy the people who I worked with, like the the part time sales associates. I love them. Um, We were all in like a little family together, but just, I didn't enjoy my experience too much there. I applied to Nike in Edmonton and back in August of 2017. And I remember applying and I got a call back like three months later saying, Hey, uh, we'd love to interview you, um, for an assistant head coach role that they have there. And I remember I took it and I was just thinking to myself, like, Oh my God, this is the start of like my new life. Like this is like a big job. And, you know, it, it paid a lot more at the time um, than what I was used to getting paid. So I was so thankful um, for Nike giving me that opportunity and just kind of going back to my love for sports. Yes, I was just going to say, like, that's so up your alley. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like Calvin Klein was definitely a different right? vibe. I don't know, for yeah. like, lack of a better term, vibe. Like, mm-hmm. a little bit more pretentious, a little bit more designer, like... Mm-hmm you know, and then this is amazing. Like you get to wear athleisure clothes, like activewear yeah. to work, yeah. which yeah. is amazing. So uh, you obviously are enjoying what you're doing and very passionate about it. Found your, yeah. found your niche, so to speak. Yeah. I, I love 
Nike. I love my job here. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And I remember the head coach that hired me at the time. I still look up to her and I thank her for the opportunity. When you move out West, especially after university, you're just looking for somebody to take a chance on you. Right. And for somebody to take that chance on me, I am forever grateful because now I am where I am because of her. And, you know, I worked my ass off for two years as an assistant head coach and the role opened up as a head coach, which is a store manager Mm -hmm. um, two years ago. And I applied for it. And I remember I waited six months and I was like so terrified that I, I wouldn't get it. And then, yeah, I applied February, Valentine's Day of 2019. And I found out on June 2019 that I, I got the position. That's such a long time span right? in between. Like, yeah. I would have been like, oh, I didn't hear back within two weeks. Like, they must have yeah. found someone else. I was only 24 years old at the time, too. Um, I was just so like wowed like mm-hmm. I had a lot of people around me telling me like you got this um you can do it you know please like have faith in yourself and I got it and it just I don't really know how to describe it it was a shock and it was the best shock possible it was like finding out I went to nationals again which is like yeah. the best feeling ever yeah it's a feeling of accomplishment and like you're proud of yourself you like accomplished something that seemed like something a little bit more unattainable maybe at the time like like if you were comparing like the other candidates like you said like people who are twice yeah. your age yeah. but it just goes to show that a lot of the jobs and like positions that you might be afraid to apply for because you're you're doubting yourself like just fucking do it no I know and I just like if we could say one thing to young people out there especially coming out of university or going into university After university, people and companies are looking for people with no experience so that they can grow within their companies and be moldable. Yes. That's the best thing possible. They're looking for young, energetic people that aren't always about the policy, but can learn the policy, learn the company ways and be those pace setters. So please always have faith in yourself because there's one thing that I doubted and that was my experience, but my lack of experience actually, it helped me. Yeah, it gave you, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Gave you, like, benefit. Yeah, it gave me, like, a competitive edge. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) That sounds way better. Yeah. So, as you know, I identify as a queer person. I know we all have our own individual coming out stories. And I think that's something that I base my queer identity around is my coming out story. I've had the privilege of sharing my story multiple times throughout my life to people who are needing support or encouragement and coming out or finding themselves. And I have the privilege of having such a loving partner and supportive partner. So to share that story with him over the years has been something that, you know, I've always felt uh, supported in doing. But to tell you guys a little bit about my own identity and coming out story, I chose to come out in 2010 which seems crazy to think about. It's like 11 years ago. Um, But 2010 was a year for me to come out. Um, I was 15 years old and I chose to come out at 15 because I felt like nobody was going to take me seriously as a younger kid coming out. And nowadays I feel like it's much different. Um, Even though it's only been 11 years, the, you know, the queer community has changed so much and like openness and people and celebrities coming out and sharing their own coming out stories has been so much more publicized than it was back in the day. 
So I just felt like being 12 years old, nobody would take me seriously because kids are changing so dramatic, dramatically year over year. I remember going back to 2010, I was really struggling with my identity and I was at the point of like, I can't live like this anymore. I, for years, I would sit at the kitchen table with my mom and I would want to tell her so bad, like I'm gay. And I would sit there while she read her book and she would just read her book and we would sit there in silence and she would look at me and be like, Robert, is there something you want to tell me? Like, just, just tell me. And I'd be so scared to like, tell her. Do you think that she already knew? Oh, hell yes. Like, seriously. (laughs) Yeah. No, she knew. Like, trust me. Like, I was wearing her high heels. I was like, okay. Like, as a child, I was very out there. I had a big personality, like I said. And that's a a big gay personality, too. Like, I'm not going to lie. People bullied me my entire life. And I'm not going to shy away from that, like, or saying that. Like, I was very bullied and ridiculed. So she knew, like, people were calling me a fag or a faggot. And, like, even as young as in grade three. And she said, Robert, like part of us moving away was because, you know, people in the school were already like bullying you. And you might not remember that, but parents would say stuff too. And like be uncomfortable around like hanging out with me or me. Ah, I can't say that. The kids would, kids' parents would feel uncomfortable like me hanging out with their kids, which so makes me feel so terrible. Like, yeah. It's a horrible thing to say that, but like even growing up, I was left out of like school, like PE classes and people would choose me last. Kids would chase me around. So, and in high school, people would drive by in their cars because everybody's cool and had their license and they would just mm-hmm. roll down their windows and scream fag like on the street. And that was like oh. my taunting word mm-hmm. growing up was being called a faggot. And mm-hmm. it was a word that like killed, killed me personally, like big part of who I was and who my personality is it just went away because of that horrible word um but in 2010 when I was 15 I decided to like own my sexuality and own my identity and I'm like I can't live like this so I told my mom and I told my mom on a day when life just seemed like too much and we've all had those days um where we have our little breakdowns but this was like a big breakdown (laughs) and um my stepdad was really abusive, like I said, growing up. And one of, like, a cold, like, cold-ass winter morning in Ontario, um, he told us all to get out of the house because he wasn't doing some very good things in our house growing up. But um, he told us to all leave. And so my mom, my sister, and I had to leave the house. And I remember I didn't get out of bed because I was like, you know what, fuck that. I know what you're doing. I'm not getting out of bed because... I don't care. Like, honestly, like, I don't care what's going on. It sucks that you are doing this to us and kicking us out right now. Um, But I just slept there. And I remember my mom coming downstairs and she's like, Robert, you have to get out of bed. And I was like, no, I'm not getting out of bed. And she's like, if you don't get out of bed, I'm going to tell Stan. And so a couple of minutes later, I still didn't get out of bed. Stan came downstairs and picked up my mattress with me on it and threw it across the room and said, get the fuck out of the house. Oh, my God. Um, I was like, I don't know who the fuck you think you are, but this is not how you treat a child. Like I am a child in your house and this is so like wrong for you to do that to me. And I remember I put on my clothes, I put on my winter boots. I was hearing my mom and Stan yelling at each other when I was leaving and I slipped on ice in the driveway because it was really bad, super bad winter. And 
I fell so hard and I hurt myself. And I was like, you know what? I wouldn't even be in this situation right now if it wasn't for this man in my life. Um, the way that I felt and all this pent up frustration because I, I didn't come out. Like I was, I was gay and I was struggling and I was getting kicked out and I hurt myself and I had nobody to turn to and be like, what's going on? Like, what is life right now? This is so fucked up. And I just looked, I turned back when I fell and I looked at my mom yelling at Stan in the doorway. And I was just like, I can't do this. Like I walked down my driveway and my driveway was like over a mile long. It was a very long country driveway with twists and turns of forest. And I had a long sleeve shirt on pajamas and winter boots. That's it. No jacket, nothing. And I walked right into the forest. I sat in the snow for hours. I watched my mom drive by with my sister. I watched them come back home two and a half hours later and walk into the house. I would watch Stan walk in between the house and his garage. And I remember I would just sit there in the forest freezing, so cold, like, what am I going to do, Robert? Am I going to come out? Or am I going to tell them? Or am I just going to continue to sit here in the woods and be freezing cold and like beat myself up? So I remember Stan uh, walked into his garage, which was like 150 meters or 200 meters away from the house because it was a very large property that we had. And I ran so fast from the forest into the house. I kicked my boots off and my mom was at the couch and she followed me downstairs. And the basement is kind of like an, uh, a, a little bit of a loop with a wall. Like, I don't know, it's kind of like open concept, but mm-hmm. we, I walked around in circles and my mom just chased me and she was like, what's going on, Robert? why are you acting this way? Like, I need to know what's going on with you. And I took my iPod at the time because that was the thing, iPod touches. Oh my God, iPods, <laughs> yes. Yeah, wow. and I wrote I wrote my coming out letter on my iPod. You did? And Yeah, I did. And I stood there in silence with my mom and I read her my letter and I told her, this is who I am, I'm gay. I've been wanting to tell you for such a long time. And I want you to accept me um, for who I am, because this has been such a struggle for me my entire life, like getting bullied and all that stuff. And I said to her, like, if you can't love me, and if I can't come out, I can't live anymore. Like, I can't live like this. I'm so sorry. And after I read it, I was crying the entire time. But after I read it, um, I looked at her and she didn't say anything. And I was like, oh, my God, like, she doesn't love me. And I walked away and I went into the bathroom in the basement, like where I I lived down there too. And there was like a full bathroom and everything. I went in there, I closed the door and I just bawled my eyes out. And it was one of the hardest things for me to do. And for my mom to stand there and not say anything, like shattered my heart Mm -hmm. um, in a billion pieces. And I remember the light switch to the bathroom was on the outside of the hallway door. So I sat in there for a couple minutes and my mom was like, she came and knocked on the door and I didn't let her, I didn't answer it or let her in. And um, she just shut the light off. And, and left you I, in the dark and still had not said anything yet. Yeah, I sat there in the dark. And after that, I, um, after like a couple of hours, I, I wiped my tears away. I opened the bathroom door and I crawled into my bed and I think I stayed in my bed for like two days or something like that. And I didn't get out. After a couple of days, my mom came into my bedroom and she crawled under my blankets with me. And she held me. 
And when she held me, I knew that she would never let me go again. Wow. I have like literal chills right now. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't easy like all the time. And my mom really struggled with it at first because she thought being gay was something that could be fixed. And Mm -hmm. I, I love that story of like, she crawled under the blankets and she held me and I knew from that embrace, she would never let me go again. Exactly. Um, And she didn't even have to say anything. It was the actions that proved it. Exactly. And that's who my mom is, but I'm not going to lie. And for people that are listening to this or struggling to come to terms with their identity or coming out to those around you, I've learned some very valuable lessons. And at first, when you come out, especially when you're young to parents, my mom thought, you know, we could go to a social worker or like somebody could fix me because no parent wants to see their kid get ridiculed and bullied for being gay. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's hard on you as a kid, but it's a lot harder too on your parent because they know you're never going to have it easy. You're always going to be the different person and that sucks. And my mom, I don't, I think she struggled with handling that or coming to terms with like, you know, Robert's been bullied his entire life. Let's try to make it better for him. And that's all that she wanted to do. And I had to tell her like, no, this isn't like something to do with like mental health or like struggling with like my, I don't know, my brain imbalance or whatever. It's who I am. It's my identity. It's part of me. And, um, I remember uh, like a couple years, she would say like, I would be driving home from track practice with my friends and she would be driving us home. And I'd be like, oh, turn this song up. Like, I love this girl. And it would be like Carrie Hilson or something like that. And my mom would be (laughs) like, if you love her so much, why don't you marry her? And she would say things like that. And I would be like, excuse me? And I would wait for my friends to leave and get out of the car. And I would tell her, like, I would go off on her and be like, why would you say something like that? Like, you know, I'm gay. You know, I came out to you like over a year ago. And for you to say, why don't you marry her? It makes me feel like you're struggling still with my identity and who I am as a gay person or as a queer person. And it hurts me. And when I said that to her, she's like, I never really realized that. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I thought this... I thought it wouldn't be that personal. And I said, no, it's very personal. So um, coming out was a hurtful in itself. Like it was years of like wanting to tell my mom and working up the courage because you have to remember when you come out, it's a relationship that's at stake. You could either be loved or you could be shunned and turned away from right. your family and not supported. So when I was like fighting with myself, yes, I knew my mom knew I was gay, but I also didn't know what her reaction would be. And that's the thing that scared me the most. Yeah, that, oh my God, I'm like at a loss for words. It's so insane. And I, I don't know like the first thing about what that is like, like I, yeah. but it's so deep and you struggle with so many things because like you're struggling to accept yourself and also you obviously care about the people in your life like your family and if they don't respond in the way that you're hoping like Mm -hmm. at first when you told your mom it can make you feel so sad I'm assuming I don't know tell me if I'm wrong but it can make you feel so like sad and ashamed were you ever ashamed of you know how you like oh yeah who you are I'm ashamed every time I open my voice or open my mouth and I sound like this, a part of it, like, and listening back to this podcast, I'll be ashamed of how I sound because I know there's people out there that will judge me for my voice and sounding so gay. Um, And that's so fucked up in itself, but I don't 
I don't purposely sound the way that I do, but I'm ashamed of how I sound because I'm like the typical stereotype gay male who sounds like a girl. And I hate that because I, I grew up, the thing is, is that I grew up with girls. I only know female aneurysms, female characteristics. So when I'm looked at from like a macho masculine standpoint from like guys who play sports and big guys who like lift weights, mm-hmm. I, I tend to feel insecure about who I am before I even open my mouth as a gay person. And that truly sucks. So that I've never, I've never really felt um, more shame than I have in my life besides my like career identity. Like as a, as a guy, I don't feel ashamed, whatever, but as a guy who loves other guys, yes, I feel a certain sense of shame in that because it's not, it's not embraced fully by society and as as advanced and um evolved we like yeah we've come so far but yet we haven't come far there is still states and um countries in this world that illegalize gay marriage and criminalize being gay so until we all win i won't feel ashamed anymore but i know that in my lifetime i won't see that and i truly hope i see that or that my little nieces and nephews get to see that yes um but I know that, unfortunately, I hope I've just paved the way for them um, so that people can feel more comfortable with who they are. Because there's nothing worse than comparing yourself your entire life to, like, straight people. I see straight people all the time, heterosexuals. And I, I actually have grown up and said to myself, like, make jokes out of it, like, ugh, those heteros. Because people would... I just laugh at it, but people would always say that about homos. Like you're, yeah. you guys are homos. Like, oh, and now I flip it on you because I'm very uncomfortable in my gay identity. But have I ever felt ashamed of it? Yes. And has any other gay person felt ashamed of their gay identity or their queer identity? Yes, they have. Um, and it sucks, but it's the truth. And when you look around you, all that you see your entire life is just like heterosexuals everywhere it's it's normalized in society it's um you know it's the norm it's the yeah like quote unquote this is a straight world yeah this is a straight world it's built for straight people and i'm just a queer person living in it and um whenever i go to the movies whenever i read a book whenever i'm at work um going to gender specific bathrooms it's meant for straight people so um it would be lovely to see more queer representation. And when I see celebrities and especially athletes who come out as gay, I, I fangirl over them. Like, honestly, like you I you have like that. a little extra spark that like, lights yeah. up and you're like, yes, this is, a, this is one step towards what I want for everybody. Right. Yeah. It's very liberating um, to like see people and hear people speak about it, but yeah, I'm not going to, shy away from it and say that I never felt ashamed and moving out west especially there's a different mentality out here um and it's very conservative when it comes to um the LGBTQ plus community and Alberta was actually the last province in Canada to legalize gay marriage in 2005 and I really province now yeah gay marriage we're talking about human rights here and as a human right to marry who you love that was only legalized in Canada in 2005 yeah you're right I just was shocked to like hear that Alberta was the last to yeah pass that law wow yeah it's crazy um since your move out west um have you 
ever partaken in any like support groups or any like mental health, you know, support at all, like to help you with any of your your struggles that you have experienced? The beautiful thing about moving to the West is that I already had a support system in my partner. And has that been 100% all the time? No, it hasn't. Uh, as a human being, you struggle to connect and communicate, especially when you're in a relationship. Um, but I never actively seeked out um, community partners within the LGBTQ community for counseling. Um, I would love to, as a queer person, pursue that. Um, I think that I rely on word of mouth a lot out West. So if people tell me, oh, this worked for me, I'll be encouraged to go do it because I know that person and I listen to their experience, but I haven't specifically gotten a lot of exposure to um, queer people out West with what they are doing to um, break down barriers uh, in regards to the community, in regards to their mental health. So I relied a lot on my partner um, and his support and also my family's support which is so and, lovely. Yeah, and I'm just glad that they're able to do that for me. But for people that are struggling and that are alone and don't have those support systems, look for ways to feel connected in your company that you work for. Uh, because I know there's so many different opportunities or benefits that are given to you in different companies and specifically just t uh, focusing on Nike. Um, being a full-time employee here has given me the exposure of like employee assistance program or totally. my benefits as well, where I get to talk to like certified counselors um, about anything. And I have taken that uh, up on several occasions. Yeah. That's really great to hear that you've had those supports to kind of help you, especially through work, which I think is amazing. Like if you have benefits that you can utilize, I know at my work, we also have uh, employee assistance and we have like the ability to download an app and like talk directly to medical professionals in regards to like anything which is so great and also the fact that you said that you have your partner who obviously you guys uh, have a great relationship and I know that no long-term relationship is easy and I think communication is like the number one thing do you agree yeah totally totally it's most important Yes, I, I think so, too. And I think that's one of the hardest things as well is communicating how you feel. Yeah. Like in regards to any sense, like even if you have a crush on somebody or like, you know, you, you have something in, that you want to tell your friends about and you're not really sure how to or like your parents or anything. And this kind of leads into the next topic that I wanted to share as well is I've always grown up dating men or like being interested in men. But in the last like little bit like I've definitely been a little bit more curious and I think that women are amazing and so beautiful and so gorgeous and my first kiss was actually with a girl when I was young <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know I and I I'm like shaking talking about this right now because I've never like said well like I think I joke about it every now and then with like my parents and like oh well I think I'm over dating men I think I'm gonna start dating women and I've told my <laughs> girlfriends that on like my dating apps, I have my settings set set to both women and men. I don't fully identify as someone who is bisexual, but I would definitely say like bi curious. I don't know. Like I feel like I don't really fit fit into sexuality, but it's sexuality is so fluid to some people, right? Like, mm -hmm. um. So yeah, I don't know. I guess consider this like my. <laughs> 
my statement of, you know, my sexuality. Like, I've never dated a woman, but I think I would be very open to it um, and for the experience and also just to explore. Yeah, I feel like that's major props to you for saying what you said, because just being transparent with your audience yet again is why I love you so much. Um, and secondly, I feel like you're going to have a lot of girls hitting you up low key after this. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my um, God. But yeah, no, I think that, you know, our, our generation is so open to experience yeah. and open to opportunity as well. And I think that it's the, the best thing to do is remain open when it comes to love and when it comes to, you know, who you're going to cross paths with, whether or not that be typical of what you've been hooking up with your entire life, which is men or even women. So for sharing that, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, but also to love doesn't have to be confined to, you know, four walls or narrow vision to only men. There's so many more opportunities out there. And at the end of the day, you could be loved by a man, but you don't know how you could ever be loved by a woman. And it could be so different um, right. in so many ways that could be so positive. And as a person who's had, you know, gay friends, lesbian friends, it's interesting to hear all their stories because they're all so varied and different. And totally. I think that just remain open to possibilities and you never know what would come your way. There's many people that come out as gay um, but they still have loving relationships with the opposite sex. So you put it perfectly. You know. I think you truly did. Yeah. I was really nervous to talk about it because I think of it as like, I would never want somebody who has come out as, you know, queer or gay to look at me and say, Oh, she's not really like truly, you know, living her truth. She's just doing this for like attention or she's just doing this no. to like, I don't know, maybe that's just my own insecurity of myself. And like, we talked about this yesterday, about how your own brain, you know, can speak negatively to you and yeah. you can get caught in this wormhole of intrusive negative thoughts and just like complete with self doubt. And I just I think I care too much about what people think. And I always grown up want grown up wanting to do the right thing or make the right choice. And Anytime I think of myself making a mistake or maybe doing something that's deemed wrong, I have a lot of shame. And like shame is such a horrible emotion in itself that it can really drive you to maybe not explore that certain avenue or, um, you know, speak your truth. Yeah. And I think that you touched on so many like critical things just in that last like minute there, like straight people coming out is, it's such a thing, like, and even straight people not coming out, but yet hooking up with the same sex mm -hmm. while they have an opposite sex partner is very, very, um, like, common. I don't know how to say that. Yeah. It's very common um, for, to do. The thing is, is I find and this is my personal opinion, I don't want to speak for anybody else in the gay community, but when straight people come out or straight identifying people come out and they say, hey, I feel bi-curious or I do have actually, I've had several sexual interactions with the same sex, it's actually openly accepted, I find, um, 
in my experience um, within my social circles, I've seen it being like, oh yeah, we're cool with that. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to gay people who hook up with the opposite or the same sex their entire life, and then they say, oh, I, I'm bi actually. To gay people, that's like looked down upon. It's very sad, but it's a truth in our community. Gay people love other gay people, but as soon as gay people come out as bisexual or if bisexual men are hooking up with other men, the gay men get insecure about it. And they say, well, you just don't know what you like. Like you don't know what you like and you're not committed or all this stuff. And they find all these horrible excuses, which are so hurtful. And for a community of people to say like, I openly accept me for who I am. I'm, I'm always fighting to be accepted the gay community, and I'm not going to speak for myself on that, but the gay community and the majority of them, they don't accept difference. You know, they don't accept anybody for who they are. They're very, very judgy um, or judgmental. Um, and they can't accept people who are gay coming out as bisexual. It's just something that I've seen. Um, I have friends that are bisexual and they've shared such similar stories and horrible stories of men just not wanting to be in a relationship with them based on the fact that they like both men and women. It's very weird. That is very interesting to hear. Mm -hmm. I want, and you said you said that mostly because they feel threatened that they, yeah, they feel threatened or they feel insecure. Um, They might, just be wanting to like convert that person to only like men. I don't know. It's just so weird. And when it comes to love, I think exactly what you said, it's about remaining open, um, comfortable and opportunistic, you know, like let's find out what is versus being so close-minded to like, I only like men and the men that I hook up with can only like um, other men. Right. I don't know. It's like the total opposite of the spectrum of like straight guys hooking up with gay guys because that happens all the time too. But as soon as a bi guy hooks up with a gay guy, it's like an issue that I've just seen so common out West with my friends. The thing that resonates with me is like, I think about my romantic relationships or like my situationships that I've had, they've all been with men, right? So, and I wonder, I'm like, I'm always... I'm somebody who loves very deeply and is very mm-hmm. emotional and for lack of better terms, I like get attached way too easily. And I know that I can blame that on many things like my attachment style for one and just my need to connect deeply. And a lot of the men that I go for are typically emotionally unavailable. They're not really yeah. willing to dig deep and like have a deep conversation with me about their feelings or like, I feel like it's always me that's saying like, hey, I feel this way about you, you know, like, and they're just like, "Ah." or like, I don't know if it's just maybe hookup culture, or like, people our age in general, who have just so much trauma, and they're just scared to be vulnerable and open up with somebody. But I always feel a disconnect with the guys that I'm with, because they lack that emotional vulnerability. But then I look at my relationships with my girlfriends and like strictly platonic, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I just we connect on such a deeper level. And I feel so much more connection with them. And I wonder if that would be the same if I was to start, you know, actually openly dating women. And, but I don't know. I mean, there's definitely guys who are open to share their feelings, but I feel like most of the toxic masculinity that exists right now, like they don't feel comfortable or they think that they're a pussy if they do, or 
yeah. don't know, they got to be the macho man and like hold this persona and like talk to all these different girls and like don't settle down. And I, I'm going on a tangent right now, obviously. No, but I actually like I love what you just said because toxic masculinity it's present in any form of masculinity it's present in the gay community it's present in present in the heterosexual community as well um and it's gotten to the point where there's no separation between the two gay men have toxic masculinity straight men have toxic masculinity and mm -hmm. when it comes to relationship building men in it in themselves are very very difficult creatures to, to crack open yeah it is get to their core like yeah give me something here you know it is yeah they are yeah. um just being vulnerable for men it's like something like you said it's been looked down upon but it's not just from the women that they are in relationships with it's instilled in them from their mothers from their fathers like mm -hmm. don't be a pussy yeah and, like go cry in a different room like these shame behaviors that you're taught from such a young age impact men and they're growing um in these critical stages of their life to shut down certain emotions and not be vulnerable and sharing back how they're truly feeling so in both my relationship with gerald and my work relationships too i always say to men and encourage them like hey you got to be vulnerable you got to be open and accepting of criticism and to give constructive feedback as well because it's important and an important aspect of growing Totally. And especially if you're going to be in a relationship with somebody, you you have to, you know, be able to take th what the other partner is feeling and and not internalize it in a way that, like, they're angry at you, but, like, yeah. listen to it and realize that, like, everybody has needs that need to be met and maybe oh you're God. not maybe yes. you're not fulfilling, right? I'm so glad you said that because when it comes to um that exactly that's where me and my partner struggle like i know i'm not always um accepting of his needs and always meet his needs um in our relationship and mm -hmm. yeah it's it's so true like what you say there's no difference between that between gay and straight people like it's no very it's evident just re relationships in yeah. general like any partnership and i think yeah. people like maybe for me because i've been you know single for the past like two two and a half years or whatnot mm -hmm. I know how to meet my own needs and I know what yeah. I need to be happy and feel fulfilled and when I'm with somebody and they're not fulfilling that it really sets off my like inner child who's like <laughs> scared of abandonment and yeah. I I definitely have a problem with communicating my needs and and doing it in a way that's like healthy because I feel like I don't want to seem annoying or seem clingy or seem too interested too fast but my friends always say like beaks the person who is meant for you won't be scared off by you telling them hey I would really appreciate if you didn't leave me on red for days at a time or <laughs> I'd really appreciate if you would um you know like take me out on an actual date or like I don't know. I'm just like spitting yeah. random examples, but no, it's true. It's, it's a scare. It, it comes from a scary place or it, it makes me feel anxious when I'm not getting what I need and I have to tell somebody to do it because nobody is going to read your mind. Nobody knows yeah. what you need unless you speak up and, and tell them, but it can be one of the like scariest things in the world. But if you're partnered with somebody who is understanding and, and, and can sit back and reflect and say, Hey, you know what? You're right. Like, I haven't been communicating as often to you 
I'm sorry that I left you on red, but watched your stories. Like, <laughs> yeah, know. that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that's absurd. I would be like, yeah, um, no, but you're, you're so right. And see, the thing is with me, I, I grew up with, and I, I always say, and I'll still say she was a single mom and she was the kind of mom who had the mentality of like, I, I will do it on my own. I can do it on my own. Um, because there was nobody else in her life to do it for her. So right. now I've grown up and I've told myself, oh my God, I, I don't like that my mom never asked for help or, you know, she's really struggled and I've seen her struggle, but I'm the exact carbon copy of that. Mm-hmm. Like uh, as a manager, as a partner, it's always, oh, I'll do that. Like I can do that on my own or I'll ask for help. And if like, he's not doing it quick enough, I'll do it on my own, which makes him feel terrible. Like he's like, you know, it. I don't know. It just makes navigating through a relationship and as a boss um, too, very difficult um, because it you need to trust in your people. And if you're constantly doing things yourself in your relationship or in your work life, it just goes to show that you don't have any trust in your team. And that's not who I am. I'm a very trusting person. But yeah, something that I'm actively working on still to this day. Crazy how, and I think this is what I've realized in the last like year year and a half where I've really had a lot of time with myself being alone and in my thoughts and really figuring out who I am as a person and my triggers and you know my flaws or my successes too everything has to do with your experience growing up and the things that you experienced and it really molds you to who yeah. you are now. And like, it's, I think it's very interesting when you can look back on how you handle a certain situation or look back at like some of your personality traits and whatnot and why you think those things that you do and realize like, oh, I know why I do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very interesting. It's a, it's a hard thing to discover in a, as an adult of why you do the things that you do and why you say the things that you say. But when you're willing to break down some walls and really look at it from a vulnerable standpoint, you understand or you help yourself understand where those characteristics come from and where that in like where that trauma came from too because when you experience trauma as a child it does shape you and you know I've experienced a lot of trauma as a child and I know my partner has too so being too hurt people as adults trying to understand what happened in your childhood and how that shaped who you are today is a hard thing to navigate through so definitely staying communicative has helped um and just looking for things that you can share in common that you can laugh at and some of those things are going to be hurt that you both experience together um and as children you have to look back on it and laugh about it because you can't laugh about some things you're never going to move on right yeah it's so true oh my god it we're basically just all little children all little (laughs) wounded children who are in adult bodies just yeah. trying to navigate your way through life, right? Yeah, and honestly. I think when we were talking about, um, you know, life after university, we're we're just trying to figure out ourselves and our adult lives. Like we're bo- we're all in our late. Well, you and I are both in our late twenties. I'm mm-hmm. twenty eight. You're twenty seven. Mm-hmm. We're going to be thirty soon, I and know. I think these are some <laughs> of our most imperative. I don't even know if that's the right word. So like shoot me if it's not these are some of our most like form format formidable years where we're truly truly understanding who we are and and just growing I don't know it's it's exciting because we're gonna look back on this in five years and be like wow look at who we were then 
compared to we are now and how much we've grown and experienced life. And I don't know, it's just, it's very, I'm having like a very happy moment right now sitting down talking to you about this because I feel like we're, we have a lot of similar values and we, Mm -hmm. we understand that, you know, everybody in life is going through their own struggles, but we're empathetic to that. And we understand because we've also gone through our own as well. And it's just, it's great to have people in your life who you can sit down and have these conversations with. And that's why I love just like shooting the shit and getting deep and dark. And (laughs) it's just, it's great. I think you see a whole other side of somebody when you are able to actually sit down and be vulnerable and talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah. I think it's definitely something different than university, you know, when life is so fast paced and structured and you're constantly looking at, you know, what do I have to do next? Like what milestone do I have to get over? When you get rid of all that, when you graduate and you're just navigating life as an adult and the only thing that's important is relationships, family, and your career, um, there's a lot less structure to go off of. So you get to have these little joyous moments where you can talk about values and reflect on how your values changed over time. And I think one thing for me and you just hearing you speak is that humility plays a huge role in both our lives and how we've changed from our young 20s to our you know the end of our 20s we've become more humble looking back on our life experience and how we approach things differently now Um, and I think that's a beautiful thing because I think that when we were young in our 20s and we were just finishing uni, we weren't okay with not being okay. We weren't comfortable in the uncomfortable yet. And when it comes to looking at our current day present, um, we, we've grown such a, uh, we've come such a long way where we can be okay. We can look at these learnings that are happening around us and we can take from it what we want and apply it but we can also unlearn the things that don't better us and add value to our, um, to our identities. That was beautifully said. Amen. Amen. It's so true. Amen, (laughs) sister. In regards to, you know, learning more about yourself and truly like nourishing yourself and finding things that make you feel good and maybe, like activities or things that you do for your mental health and your stability. Do you want to share some of your like routines or coping mechanisms in regards to like, you know, anything in general? Yeah. Um, From an individual perspective, finding what works for you and your self-care regimen is really important to help find a balance between your personal life and your work life. I find one thing that helps me is still to this day, even after university, is physical fitness. Um, I love working out, um, but I love working out by myself. I'm not one of those avid gym goers that, um, you know, hits a gym every day and likes to be around people working out. Um, I'm more of a individual person who I like to improve on myself and my own personal fitness goals. So I actually invested in a home gym Um, during COVID. And I'm so grateful that I have the space and um, finances to do that because I know a lot of people are in a tough situation right now. Um, But I took that upon myself and I told myself in January of this year, I'm not going to set 
New Year's resolutions, but I'm going to set New Year's intentions, if that makes sense. I love that. I feel like it kind of takes the pressure off. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Yeah. And so I told myself more mindful. Exactly. And I love that. Um, So yeah, I told myself if I can stick with this every three months, I'm going to invest in something extra to get back to where I want to be with my physical fitness. So for three months, I worked out using, I bought myself um, a dumbbell set, a rack and a bench. And I had that in my garage and I just worked out using that. Three months later, I bought myself a cross-functional like power rack training system with like cables and stuff like that. And those were huge investments, but um, they were well worth it. The way that I found physical fitness made me feel mentally, um, definitely took away some from some of my stress, both in my work and my personal life. And I was able to set some rhythms and some healthy rhythms back into my life. I Another, love that you touch on healthy yes. rhythms, because yes. I feel like we both have gone through like primitive times, not primitive, oh my God, like transformational times in our lives where maybe we were struggling with over-exercising or restricting eating and just like diet culture. Oh, I could talk about diet culture till the cows come home because I'm finally unlearning all of these unhealthy behaviors and Mm -hmm. accepting my body now for what it is. And I'm so notorious and it's such a bad habit but I will go back and look at old photos of what I used to look like when I maybe went to university mm-hmm. I was still a yeah. child basically I was like yeah. only 19 years old and right. I feel like there's such a a heavy weight on people to reflect on their past bodies and feel like now that they're older and they've grown and you know filled out I got a bigger ass my boobs mm-hmm. are bigger that I've let myself go in a way but bodies are supposed to change but there's so much in the media and in, you know, like we grew up like watching the stars of like, you know, Paris Hilton and mm-hmm. all of those women who are so incredibly thin, possibly naturally, possibly from other ways too. And that was our, like, that was who we looked up to. And yeah, now, especially with social media and everyone feeling so much more comfortable well not everyone but I think a good majority of people can look on social media and find other people in the world who look like them or who embody like confidence and makes them feel better about themselves and it's so nice that we can have that now as opposed to just being like overwhelmed with media in the 90s where they were portraying just one certain body type as the ideal body type. And I think speaking from a woman's standpoint, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of pressure on us too, but also on men, right? Mm -hmm. If you're not tall, if you don't are, are not jacked or so crazy to hear that everybody has their own story of their body and maybe like a journey of acceptance with their body. I, I, totally forgot what like where my starting point was I've just gone off on another tangent no it's fine see this is something that we have to talk about body image or body positivity I know you talked about it before on your podcast but um yeah yeah we could totally talk more about that but yeah you talked you were just starting to talk about healthy rhythms and how yes you um you set those boundaries up for yourself where you stop comparing yourself and I think or stop exercising for like the wrong reasons right yeah exactly I was such an avid gym goer in many different stages of my life, but Mm -hmm. right before quarantine, like the last quarantine, uh, I was going to the gym like every night, like I would 
yeah. go to work, come home. And I'd be looking forward to going because it made me feel so good mentally, but also physically. And yeah. it was really sad for me when gyms closed because I'm one of those people who love that gym environment and just amps me up. And mm-hmm. I like to be surrounded by other people, completely opposite of you, which is totally yeah. fine. Yeah. I like to be surrounded by other people who are working out because it pushes me and I know that I can't go and fuck around. Yeah. As opposed to being at home, like I don't have the same equipment. I think I've only done maybe like three or four at home workouts, but I've really started to enjoy just going for walks. Like that has yeah. been like my number one source or form of physical activity or exercise. But it's so nice to be able to accept like, hey, you know what, even though I'm only going for a walk, this is doing so much better for me than just sitting at home. And also knowing that it's okay that I'm not working out vigorously for like an hour if I'm just going for like a nice leisurely walk that's okay and that's something that is also doing good for my body because I used to have this mentality that if I'm not sweating and like out of breath then it's not worth it for me yeah no I think that um I've always had the mentality of if you're just moving your body it's good for you and whether or not it's walks, runs, or, you know, weightlifting. I, I struggled when it came to weightlifting because I always relied on running as my physical activity. And I felt right. like if I wasn't running, then I wasn't doing what my body needed. So I've gone through, like, I purposely have put on 20, almost 25 pounds since January, um, just of like for just from working out, but I've gone through such a dramatic body change that I look at myself sometimes in the mirror and I'm like, okay, like I'm doing this for the right reasons. I'm doing this because I wanted to start working out differently. And it's hard to look at myself sometimes and be like, okay, like, you know, you're looking kind of bigger. You're judging myself. And I'm like, fuck, like remind yourself of why you're doing this because this is just your body right now. But remind yourself of your long-term goal. You're going to need to put on this weight to get to where you want to be. I went from like 160, between 160, 170 to well over 185 at one point since January. And one of the major things that I struggled with too, and we can talk about this in a different podcast, but was just food. The amount of Mm -hmm. food that I have to eat is over 3,300 calories per day on my fitness regimen. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of food, counting my macros every single day. And I just realized before bulking, I would come to work, I would drink a coffee, I would eat like a breakfast wrap, I would eat a couple bites of my lunch, and then I would go home and eat dinner. And that was maybe like less than 1500 calories a day versus now eating all the food that I do and having to like kind of force myself to eat when I don't want to. Mm -hmm. It's, it's hard it's mentally hard and I've grown such a respect for people and women and men alike who put their bodies through the bodybuilding and like bulking because it's I I used to think oh my god like you're such like a dickwad like you're that toxic masculinity of like you just want to be a big huge guy and like have muscles but you don't realize how much it takes to actually get big muscles and how much discipline it takes these people to get those like big muscles and I I never looked at it that way before. So trying to um, not attain that same image, because I know that there's many things that they do that I can't do um, Mm -hmm. that will get them there. But um, it's definitely made me realize 
by myself in my garage. Like, wow, this is insane. Like, I, I think in February, I worked out 26 out of the days, 26 days out of the month in February. And wow. I was tired. Yeah. But it yeah, it's exhausting. Change. It's almost like a full-time job if you're like it doing is. any type of training, yep. right? Because it's mm-hmm. so easy. Like if you're just working out leisurely, it's so easy to be like, oh, I'm really tired. I'm not going to do it today. Right. As opposed but to. But it's okay. You- I think. Yeah. I think being okay and don't beat yourself up. That's one thing that my partner always says. It's like on your days off, Robert, please don't beat yourself up for not being down there and working out because you got to love yourself and love that you can relax too, along with working out. And not feel guilty about it. Yeah. Don't feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. So, yeah. I love that. But one of the other things along with working out is hiking. I love hiking mm. and living out West. It's you probably the best, have so honestly. many beautiful trails. I, yes. I love hiking too. And I never was a hiker, honestly, because I was like self-conscious about like my cardiovascular health. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, honestly, if you like... want to die, go to a mountain, honestly. Oh, mountain hiking will just Can kill you. Can I just you. like roll down it <laughs> <laughs> into the water? You wish. <laughs> yeah. No, the yeah. water is definitely going to wake you up. It's glacier fed. It's I know. so cold. Cold, but so beautiful. Uh-huh so beautiful yeah hiking is beautiful being in nature in general like last year when we walked down like for the first time um I did start to go on lots of heights I would go to like Lake Laurentian and I loved it even going alone like I I love doing things alone as much as I also love doing things with people um this ties into like one of my self-care routines is I need a lot of alone time Mm -hmm. to recharge I don't know if that's just because I'm like more of like I'm definitely an extrovert, but I'm definitely introverted at the same time. And I, I'm an empath, like a empath as well. So like when I'm around certain people or just everybody in general, I absorb a lot of their energies so Mm -hmm. I can get very exhausted in large crowds. And I just need some alone time to recharge. And I think that's really good to just come home and, and chill and, you know, on a Saturday night, do a podcast or watch Netflix or whatnot. But then I also get into these routines where I like can't say no to things or I just need to keep busy for long periods of time and then I burn out. So yeah. I'm going through that right now. Like the last three weekends, I've gone out with friends on a patio and drank for the last three weekends, which is so fun in itself. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of dealing with the repercussions now and like feeling my energy is drained, honestly feeling like a lot of anxiety and depression lately and I don't know if that's attributed to the fact that I've heavily drank for the past three weekends or if it's just because I haven't had alone time to charge so that's one of my things I love that honestly Mm -hmm. and I find as you grow up you're you get more comfortable being alone and um, when it comes to the jobs that we both have because we both work in retail you're constantly on for people around you every single day, customers, your team, and you put on like kind of like a show all day, which is totally. nonstop. Mm-hmm. And it's not really who you are, but you do it for the betterment of those around you. And so others can enjoy your company. Then when you get home, the last person you want to give that show to is like your partner or your family. And you just want to, you want to shut off. You want to decompress from your day. And it's so important to have that alone time. And I think that's one thing that is beautiful about what you have gotten to do over the last couple of years is find that enjoyment and that balance of walking alone and being in nature alone. And from what you said too, the going out with your friends, it can be exhausting too, because there's, 
there's so much that you give to others and so much that people rely on you for to contribute to them and their overall night and how they feel and what they take away from it. And as an adult, now you're like, okay, you get to choose who you give your time to and where you invest your energy into. And one of the main things that I love and in going back into that self-care is you have to develop relationships where it's a give, give, where the muscle is flexed both ways and worked out. And if I'm giving you something, you need to contribute back to my overall health and well-being as well. So friends that can't do that, they tend to fall off very quickly as you age um, versus when you're younger. You can give, give, give and give to those people when you're younger. But as you age, you look for people to give back to you. That's so true. Friendships are an exchange, really. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm honestly very grateful for everybody that I have in my life. A lot of my friends I've had since like very young ages, like elementary school, high school, um, which is awesome. Like, it's very great to see that we've grown up together and also like who we're growing into as well. And it's nice because there, I have like, honest, I have a good group of friends in regards to like the amount, like, mm. um, but it's hard to make time to see everybody all the time. Exactly. So we still connect. Like we talk on like, you know, we have group chats and whatnot. And it's nice that we can have that relationship where we don't necessarily have to see each other all of the time, but we are still connected. And, and when we do see each other, like it's a blast and it just brings us even more together because yeah. it's hard when you're an adult, you have other things that you need to prioritize like your sleep or your alone time or you know your your exercise routines and mm -hmm. or your partner right like we're at yeah. the age where people are really settling down and they are putting a lot of their energy and time into their maybe they're getting married or they're buying houses together and you know everyone's at different mm -hmm. journeys in their life and it's just uh yeah it's all part of the fun I guess is what I'm trying to say it's very yeah. life is a very interesting messy loving experience mm -hmm. and I don't know I've never thought about life this way like I do now compared to when I was young I think right. it's maybe because we're truly realizing things as, as yeah. Kylie Jenner once said it's the realizing <laughs> things <laughs> yeah no I, I I love what you said too and I think that you know, moving out West and being alone, like truly alone. Like I moved out here without any friends, without any family. I've just moved out here with Gerald and we've gone through a lot over the last couple of years, like finding a joy and like buying yourself a candle, running yourself a bath, having a bottle of wine by yourself is such a, like you deserve it. And people need to tell themselves that like you earn that treat, mm -hmm. like you earn that dinner on that Friday night, celebrate those little things, watch your favorite shows, Find totally. that time to be special, to make it special for yourself. And, and I think take yourself out on dates too. Exactly. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut love you off. Love yourself. Take no, yourself that's exactly on where dates. I'm going. Oh, so yeah. amazing. I yeah. love that. I don't know. Just treat yourself because there's not a lot of people in life that will treat you to those things that you like. So mm -hmm. as an adult, you have that option. You can get in your car. You can get yourself to where you want to be. Go buy those things and just enjoy yourself because that's... Totally what life is about it's about enjoying yourself your family your friends and your time so yeah and I've said this in another episode before but like you are the only person who's going to be with you throughout your whole life exactly which is crazy to think about like you wake up with yourself every day and you go to bed with yourself every day and experience everything in between 
Mm-hmm. Right? So if you can't be your own best friend and, like, date the shit out of yourself, like, you know? Yeah, I think RuPaul has a saying about that. If you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get mm-hmm. an amen? <laughs> amen. <laughs> yeah, yes. shit. It's so true. Like, just appreciate yourself and uh, learn to stop beating yourself up. I said that my focus for 2021 is going to be um, finding the right support system. So making sure that you surround yourself with people who actually contribute to your success and make you feel good instead Mm -hmm. of investing time in people that don't contribute anything. And then secondly, it's about celebrating the victories, no matter how small or big they are, just feeling good about what you accomplished in your day and not beating yourself up because I spent all 2020 beating myself up and now I just need to move forward. 2021, I'm celebrating me. I love that, babe. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. And I think you have so much to be proud of and so much that you've gone through just with what you've mentioned on the podcast, you know, your coming out story, your Mm -hmm. struggle with, you know, making the right choice in your love life, Mm -hmm. moving, with nothing but three hockey bags like yeah I don't know how you did it but you did yeah and thriving in a career you have a great partner you also mm-hmm. have a dog which you haven't mentioned Lufa yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little Lufa she's a little Tasmanian so. devil she's like her name's Lufa after the shower Lufa right so when oh, she's totally. bad or when she has the zoomies we call her the exfoliator Oh my God, that's hilarious. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. And I think you have a lot to be, like I was saying, a lot to be proud of, a lot to be grateful for as well. And I've always loved your energy. And I think this is one of the reasons why, like, we became friends in university. Mm -hmm. You weren't afraid to be yourself, you were always laughing. Like, I could literally picture you (laughs) to a T right now. Like, this is five years ago coming to school with your glasses, your amazing haircut with your fluffy hair. Yeah. You were wearing like all of the cute athleisure clothes and just like running around, just being your crazy self and mm-hmm. not giving a fuck what other people thought, like, which I love. And also just a kind person and someone who also has a great personality in the sense of your, hu- your humor. Like we didn't talk about this yet in the, in the episode, but Robert and I, sometimes we would like skip class. <laughs> Or in between classes, we would watch Jemay Private School Girl <laughs> together. And yeah. if you haven't seen it, please go on YouTube and search it up. It is the funniest shit you've ever watched or will it's ever watch. So good. And every time I think of Jemay Private School Girl, school girl, I can't even speak. I think of that memory. I think I think those are funny memories that we'll always have. So it's so funny because I can't even do an, an Australian accent. I can't do it whatsoever. Oh my god, and... I need to do one. I need to do one. Okay. So this is from the part where she or he, because it's a guy that dresses Chris up as Lily. a girl, Chris yeah. Lily, yeah. um, is at home and somebody drank her Coke Zero. <laughs> do you remember that episode? She goes or. Daddy, could you please make me one of your iced coffees? Or who the fuck drank my Coke Zero? Mom, did you drink it? <laughs> okay, so we all found out that you have a horrible Australian accent too. <laughs> what are you talking that about? Sounded, I think it's perfect. That sounded British. <laughs> Honestly, I think it was British. Low key. I don't know what I was thinking. Anyway, oh I thought God. it was good. That's, it's so good. It's so spot on. Like, 
personality-wise, Chris Lilly and Jamae, the character that he plays, is, like, insane because I just remember watching it and I was so infatuated with this guy dressed up as a girl mm-hmm. and everybody in the show treated him as if he was a girl because that was the point of the show. Like, exactly. you knew you knew he was a guy and that but was the humor. Nobody else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, everybody, yeah. I remember... You know the thigh gap. You gotta have a three. I was literally going to say that's so cash. Yeah. It's so cash, and the lesbian so borders. Oh my god, <laughs> Kwame! Wait a minute. You need to tap Jamae because you're being a fucking bitch. <laughs> So basically, guys, more of the story, if you are still listening, because I think this is the longest episode that I've ever recorded. Um, if you're still listening, God bless your soul. <laughs> um, you need to watch Jamie Private School Girl. Yeah. Um, where can the listeners find you on socials, Robert? Nowhere. I'm boring. Um, <laughs> I have Instagram. I have Snapchat. Um, my gosh I should have been more prepared for this my I know I kind of sprung this out of the blue don't worry I will also put that in the description if you do want to follow along (laughs) Robert's life basically just pictures of loofah but sometimes he occasionally posts other things which is fun too obviously this has been an amazing experience we've been talking for two hours we got on the (laughs) on the podcast around 7 30 it's now 9 30 i had a lasagna in the oven cooking (laughs) and now it's ice cold and no i kept it i kept it in the oven so it could stay warm but turned off the temperature of course but i want to thank you so 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 much from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to hang out with me this fine saturday um, it is Saturday, right? Yeah, it's totally Saturday. Um, I think it was a great time to connect. And we talked about so many amazing, so many amazing things that I'm sure will resonate with a lot of our listeners. And I think it really opened up a great conversation. I just want to say, like, along with doing our outros and saying our goodbyes, our see yous, um, you just spent a long time praising me and getting to know me on a personal level and more so personal than a lot of other people in my life. So along with that, I just want to turn it back on you for a second and let you know, um, Brianna, how proud I am of you um, and how grateful I am for our friendship. I want you to remind yourself to always be kind and gentle to yourself because I know over the years you've done a lot of self-discovery, but continue to love yourself and don't change or try to fit in the box for other people. Um, I think that's the one thing that I love about you and your identity is that you're so individual. Um, You're an individual compared to other people and keep on staying that way because that's why I love you and I'm proud to call you my friend. And I want to let you know in the future, if I'm ever back in Sudbury, which I'm going to be in North Bay in July. um, So Low key. It it literally is July right now. I know. Yeah. So in two weeks, we got to make the trip. I will make the trip to come and see you, and we're going to have a blast. I would love that. Yeah. Honestly. So, um, yeah, I just want to let you know, like, you mean a lot. And it meant, I'm so forever thankful to be on your podcast. And I know that we talked about continuing conversations, and I want to continue these conversations with you and these challenging topics. And I just want you to know like you're loved and you're so important in so many people's lives and both your friends and your family and just people that you may not even know that you inspire. So keep on keeping on and don't change. Oh my God. You are a blessed angel. I swear. (laughs) Thank you so much. Those words are so kind and they really are 
amazing to hear because you know how some people can doubt themselves and they get like Mm -hmm. I was mentioning earlier those negative anxiety driven thoughts are the devil um but it's so beautiful to hear that so I appreciate it so much and you're gonna make me cry so oh my gosh (laughs) let's wrap this shit up (laughs) yeah yes let's wrap it up all right guys thank you so much for listening if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast anywhere where you listen. It's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, also, rate and review. Let us know how you enjoyed this episode. If you have any like burning questions for Robert or myself, feel free to DM me at Life is Beaks Podcast. And oh, every episode, I also have a song of the week. So I would love for you to share what is your favorite song of the moment? My favorite song of the moment has okay. My favorite, my song of the week has is August by Taylor Swift. Why? Why? Because mm-hmm. anything Taylor Swift Swift is legendary. We share the same birthday, her and I. Do so, you really? Yeah, December thirteenth. Oh my god, lucky number thirteen. <laughs> yeah, so, I love um, that song. Yeah, August in itself, it's such like a summer song. It has such good vibes. All Taylor Swift songs have such good vibes. Actually, though, I started listening to Taylor Swift Red specifically in 2013 when Gerald and I first like stopped seeing each other. And I related to that that album so Mm -hmm. hard with Mm -hmm. Gerald and just fall time in Sudbury. You know, it's beautiful. It's dark. It's rainy. Um, Just had romantic. Yes. So how excited are you for the relaunch of the album? Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I can't wait because it's going to be like how many songs? A lot. I think it's going to be like 32 or something outrageous like that. The full, the full recording of All Too Well, the 10 minute version, apparently I I'm quaking. I can't. Yeah. I'm going to be crying and like, just. We should do a podcast reviewing just red. Like I know you got a ton of friends that love it too. In the previous, uh, guest that you had on she loves it as well so yes oh my gosh I think that would be so fun but yeah August by Taylor Swift um love the song it's so summery it's exactly the same lust for somebody just imagining them tangled up in your bed sheets is like one Mm -hmm. of the lyrics Mm -hmm. and yeah that's all that you ever want in life is just to spend time with somebody that you love and have it be summer and beautiful and carefree so that's kind of what I'm experiencing in Alberta right now in Calgary it's beautiful weather it's hot as fuck um I have the love of my life here and I'm just so excited to spend time and enjoy summer together oh that sounds amazing you're gonna have the best summer amazing thank you again so so much honestly from the bottom of my heart for being part of this episode today we had a great time no worries thank you so much for having me I love you and I appreciate it I love you too all right this is a bye-bye for now y'all bye Bye.